Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. John chapter 13, guys, remember where we left off last week, okay? We're in the upper room, okay? You know this is the Last Supper. Um, supper has ended, okay? Supper is kind of done. The foot washing that Jesus did, that's over with. Everybody's just kind of freaked out about that because he was taking the place of a slave, okay? And the next thing we learned is that he looks at his disciples and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And right, and so we're all having a good time. We're all eating dinner. This is great. Jesus does something that's out of the ordinary. He washes the feet of his disciples. And then he turns around and says that there's a betrayer in the group. And so what the Bible says is that the disciples, you and I, we, we could say, the disciples, that, that they were really perplexed. They were kind of going, are you serious? This is how we're going to end the supper? There's a betrayer? Who is it, right? Who, what's, what's going on? Matthew tells us that they were exceedingly sorrowful. So not only were they perplexed, but they were super bummed, okay? Mark tells us that they were looking around going, is it me? Is it me? Is it you? Is it Who is it? I don't know who it is. And, and, and so all of these emotions are going around in the upper room about this betrayer. And of course, you and I, because we have the text, we know that Judas was the betrayer, Okay, we know that Judas from Iscariot is the betrayer. But just prior to him actually, from Satan actually entering in him, just prior to that so that he could go out and betray the Son of God, I was wondering, was Judas, what was going on when all this was happening? Was he playing the hypocrite? Was he sitting there going, who's the betrayer? I don't know, is it me? I mean, I wonder if he was, he was just being, being a hypocrite, Right? I just wonder. I wonder if he was seemingly look perplexed as well. Hmm. Right? We, we know this, and I wonder what's going on in Judas's heart right about now. See, listen, we're told that at the beginning of this chapter, the devil had already put it in Judas's heart to betray God. He had already, already put it in there. So the temptation was already there. And so now all of a sudden, Jesus goes, hey, there's a betrayer. Who is it, Lord? Who is it? Could it be me? And I wonder if Judas was at this point going through the motions, guys, basically, you know, looking, right, looking for his exit strategy to betray the Lord. And you say, well, Ben, why would you think he would go through the motions? Well, I want you to think of the supper, right? Everybody's supper, we're having a good time, we're having fellowship. God, Jesus did something that blew our mind. He taught us forgiveness and he taught us service. How is Judas going to get up and get out of there? How is he just be like, all right, gotta go. Thank you. Dinner was great. See you later. Everybody be like, what are you doing, dude? This is, we're, 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 it's the posse. We're the 12. Hello. So I wonder if he's looking for his ex- exit strategies. How am I going to get out of here? Am I going to go tell the chief priest that, that Jesus, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get my cash? I need my 30 pieces of silver. Guys, think about it. So supper's over. Everybody's perplexed, sorrowful. Simon Peter, guys, Simon Peter motions to John. John, hey, John, John, tell Jesus, tell, ask who he is. Ask who it is, right? And so all of a sudden, this is Jesus. So, so John leans over. Hey, Lord, who is it? And he tells us, look at verse 26. And Jesus answered and he said, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. Having dipped, it, having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. 
the son of Simon. Now, again, I'm just like, I'm blown away. Now, your attention, please. In the Last Supper, I want you to remember, it's not like Leonardo da Vinci where they're all sitting on a big, long table. They would be leaning on their left side, dipping bread, and then you could feed it here and so forth. They were just relaxing. They were reclining. Simon Peter goes, John, where would John be? He would be on his right side, leaning on Jesus, right? Leaning on Jesus. And, and so he says, who is it? And so Jesus goes, hey, it's the person that I dip this bread in. He's the betrayer. Well, guess who's to his left? Judas. And so, and here's the thing about, about dipping bread, guys. It's such a sign of intimacy. Now, you and I, we go out to eat. We say, okay, who's going to pray? I'll pray. Amen, Jesus. Amen. We have a great time and we laugh and, and all this good stuff. But it's a little more intimate at that point. It was like, hey, man, we're one. We're family. This is what's going on. And so he does that, guys. He does that with Judas. But can we stop here for just a moment? Can I remind you of the heart my Jesus has? You go, what do you mean? We can all agree that Jesus knew who would betray him, right? Jesus knew who was clean and not clean. He told us earlier. Jesus knew who should be clean and then those who just needed a foot washing. Jesus knew all of this. He knew who was saved and who's not saved, just the same like today. He knows if you're saved and who's not saved. And he knows how many of us are need to get saved for real and how many of us need to come in and just confess our sins. We just need a foot washing. Jesus knew this. Can we agree? But even before today, see, Jesus knew about a, about a year before, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 6, verse 70, he said, did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is the devil? See, Jesus knew even then. And, and here's what he's saying. I didn't make a mistake when I, when I called you. I didn't make a mistake when I went up and prayed. I didn't go, oh, Judas got in the mix. Oh, shucks, how did that happen? He knew, and he goes, but one of you has got an evil heart. One of you is not walking with me. One of you is not really like the rest of them. But here's the heart of the Lord. He knows all of this. He knows all of this. And yet he's the God of second chances. You go, what do you mean? Guys, Judas, if you're taking note, jot this down. Judas was given the place of prominence to the left of Jesus. The place of prominence. John was on his right, leaning on Jesus. You guys remember we talked about that last week? You go leaning, yeah, in the Greek verb, the action, it's a present infinitive, and it means that this was a habit of John. This was a habit of John. John was always leaning on Jesus, and this blew my mind. Why? Because it was habitual. I mean, and here it is in the Last Supper, and there's John right here, right? Hey, Jesus, how's it going? Right? I'm thinking if they were out camping, right? Because they were constantly moving around. Where's John? He's leaning on Jesus. He's always, that's what it means. It was, a, it was a habit, right? John, what are you doing? I'm just hanging out with Jesus. But you're always leaning on Jesus. John, God, give somebody else a break. No, this is my place. This is my place. He was to, guys, he was to the right. Judas was to the left. Now, why do you say that, Ben? Guys, because the left side was the place of the honored guest at a supper. It was custom for the host to arrange where people sat. So as Jesus came in, he would say, okay, Simon, you're over here. Matthew, you're over here. And he would start assigning. And he said, well, John's always here, so I'm not going to take that away from him. And Judas, why don't you sit here? 
Now, you and I, we go, what does that mean? Jesus was the host, and he gave the place of honor to the betrayer. And it's almost as to say, Judas, I love you, bud. And you don't have to live this way. I'm the God of second chances. Judas, you're special to me. You don't have to do this. And here's what I love about this, guys. If you're taking note, remember, Jesus washes the feet of Judas knowing his unbelieving heart. And you go, why would he, why would he give him the place of prominence and still wash his feet? Here's why. You ready? This is just great encouragement for us, guys, because he offers us forgiveness and restoration even before the sin. Even before the sin, even before the action, he's already going, I forgive you and I love you. I forgive you. Here's, be restored to me, Judas. Be restored. He also offers us, guys, friendship and honor. Judas, sit here. Sit here. Demonstrating his love even for those who aren't his. He's already demonstrating. I love you. I know you're not mine yet, but I'm demonstrating that. I'm demonstrating that. Guys, love, love. Love is an action word. Love is a verb. Love is a choice. And we demonstrate that. We can say, I love you. I love you. I love. And we can sing it all day long. But what do we do? If you love me, prove it. Show me. It's an action word. And that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is going, listen, I love you, Judas. How do you love me? Here's the place of honor. Let me wash your feet. Judas, I know what you're going to do. Now, here's what we need to understand, right? He offers friendship and he offers honor and he demonstrates this. And I'm thinking, how does that apply to us? Well, listen to me. Listen, no matter who you are or where you are right now with God, listen, I want you to know that he, God loves you. God loves you. His love for you, listen to me, because this is where it gets tricky. His love for you is not based on who you are or what you've done. His love for you is based because he's love. Because he's love. Listen, he offers you the forgiveness of sins. That's what he's saying. Arms open wide. He offers you friendship. He offers you peace in your heart. How do we know this? Because he told us this back in John chapter 3, verse 17. This is the heart of our Savior. You go, what did he say? He said, God didn't send Jesus into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we would be saved. He's not going to judge, or he didn't judge then. Now, there is coming a time where he's going to sit judge. He's going to judge the nations. But right now, in this time of grace, guys, he says, I love you. I'm the God of second chances. I'm the God of third chances. I'm the God of fourth chances. Please, please. God loves us that much that he's not, not going to let go. And he demonstrates that. How? By putting his love in action. How? Judas, sit here, buddy. You're the guest of honor. What? I've been stealing from the money all the time. I'm a robber. I'm a thief. No, no, you sit here, Judas. You don't have to live. Like, let me wash your feet, buddy. That's not us, is it? That's not us. You know what? If I knew G Judas was going to betray me, I'd be like, Judas, you sit outside. Maybe we'll send you some bread. Right? Isn't that how we are? Isn't that how we are? That, right? Judas... Or we'd be looking to somebody else and say, you know what? This guy's going to betray us. How did you sit? How did you get here? That's not God. God's heart is the God of second chances and third chances, right? Because Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, in other words, while we were Judas, he died for us. 
He died for us. Guys, what a great verse. The problem, you guys ready? Judas's heart didn't heed the voice of the Lord. He didn't do it. As a matter of fact, we're told in Matthew's gospel that Judas asked the Lord, is it me? One of you is going to betray me. Is it me? And you know what the Lord said? Yes. You have said it. That's what happens. So what happened after that guy? Satan entered Judas and he left the room. Right? Remember Jesus said, what are you going to do? Do quickly. So Judas gets up. I'm out of here. Right? And he leaves. And he leaves. Now, here's what we know. We know, guys, that Jesus knows that he has a short amount of time. The fact that Satan entered Judas, Judas got up and left. that started the prophetic clock, if you will, towards the crucifixion. It's just hours away. Jesus knows that. And so what he's going to do, he goes, I've just got a little bit of time. I need to pour into the disciples moving forward. I need to tell them the truth. I've got just a short amount of time. I've just got a short amount of time. And so we look at the whole theme. What do you think Jesus is going to talk to us about? we got just a short amount of time. What do you think he's going to talk to He's going to talk to us about what he's been talking to about, about love. About love. See, the theme of chapter 13 is love. And as we come to this last portion of Scripture, here's what I want us to do, guys. Let's take a deep look at our lives to determine if our lives are actually marked by his love. If love is the theme, let's look deep and say, is my life marked by his love. You go, okay, well, how so? Well, let's pick up our story in verse 31. Verse 31 of chapter 13, Jesus is still speaking. He said, so when he had gone out, who's he talking about? Judas. Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Now, this is a great verse, guys. And if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to do. Don't be afraid to write in your Bible. It's not sacrilege. Just just circle or highlight that first word glorified glorified. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified. You go, why pastor? In the original language, this word is known as a Holy Spirit stretch, stress mark. I got to be careful. It's not a stretch mark. It's a stress mark. Okay. The Holy Spirit is saying, pay attention to this word. Look at it. It's in red. You go, okay. So it's not a stretch mark. It's a stress mark. You go, what does it mean? It means, here it is, to cause someone to have a glorious greatness, to make glorious great or to glorify. You go, yeah, Captain Obvious. But listen, in other languages, it's equivalent to an expression like in John 17, 5 that says, and, and, and it may be, raise me up high. So it means to glorify greatness or raise me up high. And you go, Ben, I think both of those apply, don't they? Absolutely. See, Jesus is on his way to the cross. He knows that he's going to resurrect on the third day to what? To what we would call being glorified, glorious greatness. But I think the second also can be applied too. You go, what do you mean? Lifted high above the earth. Remember what he told us back in John chapter 12, verse 32? Do you remember he said, Jesus declared, and I, if I am lifted up from all the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Guys, this is a great verse to help us understand. You go, what? Here it is. Here's what your life, you want purpose in your life? You want meaning in your life? It's to glorify God. That's what it is. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if I be lifted up. Now, we understand that was the cross. Okay, we understand that this was the double Passover. 
We understand that the northern Jews would come in and eat on Thursday. The southern Jews are going to have their Passover on Friday. So you've got millions of people everywhere. And Jesus is going to be lifted up on the cross for everyone to see. Why Jesus? What's going on? What did he do? And he's going to save them and he's going to be glorified. He's going to draw all people. But we also know that when we glorify the Lord in our lives, that it draws people to Jesus. You're, if you're here and you're a believer this morning, you're here because somebody glorified Jesus in their life. And you saw it. Oh, wow. I'm a trad. That, what? And that's the whole point. Somebody lifted up. And that's your, that's your purpose. You're asking yourself, what's my purpose? Your purpose is to glorify Jesus in all you do. And that's exactly what he You go, what do you mean? Lift him up in your life so everybody can see. Everybody can see. So, listen. Jesus is saying in his death, guys, in my death, the Father and I will be glorified. That's what he's saying. Now, look at verse 32. He says, if God, the Father, is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. You go, Pastor, what he's saying? Here's what he says. In other words, if God's glory is revealed in Jesus, then the Father will reveal the glory in the Son of Man in himself. And he's going to do it at once. So you see, it's only through his death, burial, and resurrection that the Father will glorify Christ and validate his claims. That's what's going on here. Okay, so we have to chat. Why? Because Jesus, right, his thoughts and his teachings have now focused. Judas has got up and he's left, and he says, now it's time to talk about the cross. Okay? So his thoughts and his teachings are focused on the cross. His death on the cross, his burial and resurrection, he understands is going to bring glory to him and the Father And here's how, because he knows the only way that people can be saved is through the cross and the resurrection. And so he's like, okay, I got that. You and I, we must believe, we must believe in the sacrificial death to atone for our sins. And he knew, he who knew no sin, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. You go, Pastor, how does all this play into my life? Well, listen, let me just see. If we're going to dig deep to see if we have a true mark, listen, a true mark of love as followers of Jesus, you guys ready, is that we actually love Jesus. Right? So, I mean, that's really it is. It's a, it's a true mark. You go, well, how do I love Jesus? When we understand what the cross meant for each one of us, that should produce in us a supernatural, wonderful love for Jesus. If you truly understand it, why? Because, because John actually writes later on in 1 John four nineteen. he says, now listen, guys, we love him, why? Because he first loved us, right? Why do you love God? Because he first loved me. He first loved me. I understood that. How did he love me? He demonstrated his love. How? By going to the cross for me. I didn't deserve that. You know what I deserved? I deserve so. I don't even want to talk about what I deserve. And Jesus says, I love you. He first loved by demonstrating his love, by dying for my sins. And now because I understand that I love him. I love him. Pastor, you love Jesus. I love Jesus. How do we know? What are some key characteristics? 
How do we how can we show our love for Jesus? Right. How do we show our love for Jesus in everyday life? Well, we only have to look to the fruit of the spirit to get that answer. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 24, Paul tells us, guys, in order to what? To demonstrate to people we love Jesus, we need to understand the fruit of the Spirit. Well, like what? Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says, against such this there is no law. And those who are Christ have set, crucified the flesh and, with its passions and desires. That's what he says. How do we love Jesus? First and foremost, we crucify what this flesh with its passions and desires. God, I love you. And in exchange, we get the fruit of the Spirit. Like what? Love. Love. Is there love in your heart? Is there love in your life? Is there love? Now, we got to be careful with that word. we got to be careful with love. Why? Because, because just in a, in, a, in a general society, we've taken the word love and we've interchanged it with all kinds of stuff, right? We go, I love Jesus, but I also love pizza. I love Jesus, but I love donuts, right? And we'll take that love and, 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 and we interchange them just like that. But we've got to be so careful. We've got to be so careful because it's not the same thing, is it? I hope your love for pizza is not the same love you have for Jesus. But we also got to take it a step further because Stephen sent us a video this week. And the video was demonstrating how the world has taken the word love and distorted it. And made it an ugly word. And we in, in, in this video, it's about a 14-minute video, and it just makes you want to throw up. It just makes you want, I mean, because they said, because, because it's just love. It's just love. It's just love. You see, it's not, it's not child abuse anymore. It's love. And I'm going, you know... Because they're taking the word love, and this is not what God intended. God intended us to love each other, right? And he says, love. And he says, another mark is you'll have joy. You'll have joy in your life. And a lot of us right now, our brains are going, do I have love? Do I have joy? Do I have that joy in my heart? I'm not talking where you're happy all day long. I'm just so happy I'm a Christian. I'm saying joy in the midst of trials and tribulations. You go, what else? Well, another one is, is peace. Is there peace in your heart? Is there peace with men and is there peace with God? That's a true mark. You go, what else, pastor? How about long suffering? Anybody want to long suffer? You go, what does that mean? Patience? Do you have patience? I don't have patience for nothing. Well, then you need to look and go back to the fruit of the spirit. Pastor, I want patience. Okay. So you're praying for trials. No, I'm not praying for trials. I want patience. Well, we understand. If you want to learn more, Saturday morning, September 15th in the men's group. Anyways, so the point is, guys, the point is, is that you've got long suffering, you've got kindness. Is that a mark of your life? Are you kind? Are you kind? How about goodness? I love this, guys. The fruit is faithfulness. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. How about gentleness? Self-control. Guys, we can demonstrate to people we love Jesus by the fruit that we bear. I want to bear these fruit. I want to bear self-control. I want to bear gentleness and patience and faithfulness and joy and peace. 
You go, well, how, how can we demonstrate? What, what is that going to do? Now, listen, before I move on to John, think about what it's going to do. In a world that's so backwards, when we demonstrate who God is, that's what's going to draw them to Jesus. That's what's going to Joy, peace, love. Now, back in John. Back in John. Jesus says, hey, it's the cross, it's the burial, it's the resurrection, going to glorify God. Do you love me? We go, amen. What else is he talking about, guys? Well, the second point. Right? The second point. Note what's, what the Lord wants to teach us. Notice verse 32. He says, little children. Little children. Now, why would he call his disciples little children? Well, it's a term of endearment. It's a term. It's when you, it's when you say, oh, my, my hito, my hita, my baby, my whatever term you use. Mijo, right? That sort of thing. I mean, that's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, listen to me. He says, I'm going to be with you just a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. And so, I, so now I say to you. Now, again, think about this. He's just dropped some just really hard truth on his disciples. He's going, listen, guys, listen to me. Listen, I'm not just going to tell you, listen, guys, I've been with you three years. How come you're not grown up? I'm going to the cross. I've been telling you this. Now, come on. He says, now, little children. He says, I'm only going to be with you just a little while. What are you thinking at this point? Oh, Jesus is going to be with us, what, another couple of years, maybe five years? He'll establish his kingdom. Amen. He's talking hours. Hours. And you guys are going to look for me. And remember I told the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come? Now, if you're thinking, when did Jesus say that? Remember, guys, he, it was way back in chapter 8, verse 21, but he was speaking to the unbelieving Jews, and he said, listen, I'm going away, and you're going to seek me, and he says, and you will die in your sin, and where I go, you cannot come. Why is that? Because an unbelieving heart can't go to heaven. An unbelieving heart can't go to heaven, so he says, you can't come. But I got something to teach you, he says. I got something. Here's the teaching. You guys ready? Here it is, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have, what? Love for one another, right? Another true mark, guys, another true mark in our lives is that if, if basically if we are a follower of Jesus Christ is that number one, that we will what? We will love Jesus. That's Captain Obvious. But number two, that you'll love people. That you'll love people. You go, what kind of people? Jot this down. Our brothers and others our brothers and others. Jesus comes back and he says, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment, right? That we love one another the same way Jesus loved us, right? And we follow his example. Here's a question. You guys ready? How many commandments are there? Say again. Exactly, right? I, did, I tried this last night. I said, trick question. How many commandments are there? There's 10 commandments. No, Jesus gave us a new commandment, didn't he? He said, love one another. Love one another. Right? There's 11 commandments, right? But let me show you something in the text, okay? Look back in your Bibles, right? A new commandment, a fresh, a brand new commandment I give you. What is it, Lord, that you love? Everybody say love. Because here's what I want to show you. Here's what I want to show you. Well, first of all, I want to make sure you're still with me. Second of all, I want you to see that the word love is the same verb tense that we saw earlier. What does it mean? It means constantly, repeatedly, or habitually. Just like John was leaning, right? Just like John was habitually leaning on Jesus, this is the same verb, love. It means that he says, I don't want you just to say, I love you one time. Be like, I love you. 
He says, I give you a new commandment. And we say, what is it, Lord? That you habitually, continually love one another. Is that good? Woo, that's good, right? Because that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, this is, this, is, this is repeated. This is over. Come on, guys. A true mark, guys, a true mark of a follower of Jesus is that we will love habitually, repeatedly, will love people. Why? Why? Jesus tells us why. He says, by this love, by this love, Everyone will know that you are a devoted follower of me because you're constantly loving people. Okay, you ready? Truth time, truth time. Let's take a step back. We've got to ask ourselves, Lord, am I loving like you? Am I loving like you? I want, I want to love like you, Jesus. I, I want to habitually, continually. Guys, can, can we do this? Can we agree that this should be a staple or trademark of our church? When people come in that we love them, no matter what, we just love on them. We just love on them. And then even if they don't come back, they say, yeah, Calvary's not for me. They will never say that we didn't love them. We would never say that. I mean, that's really because, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, think about this, guys. It's repeatedly. It's repeatedly. This should be, guys, this should be the, regardless of how big or how small we are, if we could make it our aim that whoever walks through that doors, no matter what, that we're going to love each other. Why? Because we all got, we all got stuff going on in our lives. And, and listen, you can love somebody with, with just a hug. You know how many people long for hugs? They come to church and you're like, hey, how's it going? You know what's far better? It's far better when you go to your sister and you go, how are you doing, sister? How are you? How are you? Look at this. Oh, I love you. See? Say, you don't get one. He doesn't want a hug, huh? He longs for a hug. See, free hugs for everybody. Laurie, hug your son. See, that's the point, guys. And I'm way off track. I'm way off track. But Jesus says that people what? People will know we're his disciples if we do that. Guys, that's part of our core values is that we would love people back to life. See, Jesus actually demonstrated this with, without limits in verses 1 through 5. He got down, he, he washed their feet, and now he expects us to do the same thing. Now, two thoughts before we move on. You ready? Thought number one, we must love our brothers. Can I get an amen? We must love our brothers and sisters. That's what we come here for. You must love your sister over there, you too. You love your sister, okay. See, people will know, guys, that we're different by the love we have for each other. And you go, no problem. No problem. I, you know what? It's easy. It's easy to come in. How are you? You're, you're family. Love you. Here's the second thought. I think we must not only love our brothers, but we must love others. What do you mean? The way we win people to Jesus is by our supernatural love for others. And let's be honest, sometimes naturally we don't want to love people, do we? In the natural, we're like, Mm-mm, I don't want to love them. Uh-uh. But supernaturally, guys, 
when you love somebody, you go beyond what, they, what people expect. And so when you go beyond what they expect, they ask you, what's up? And you can say with confidence, it's the Lord Jesus in me. It's supernatural, guys. Naturally, and sometimes naturally, you're like, I can't, man. I just can't be in the same. Just, oh, oh. But Jesus in you, you're like, come here. I love you. Just me or just, just, yeah, there. Thank you, Santos. So we want to love our brothers. We want to love others. Notice again real quick, and then we'll move on. A new commandment I give you guys that you love, that you love one another. Would you just do that as I have loved you? So we want to love how Jesus loves. Now, moving on, right? Notice Pete. Don't you just love Pete? Pete, Pete reacts to the message. Look at verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? I don't even know if he caught, I don't even know if he caught the love thing, right? Because he's like, let's just love him. Pete's like, where are you going, Lord? I'm still on the first question, dude. Where are you going? And Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Now that should be enough for Pete, right? And notice what Pete says. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus looks at him and he says, will you lay down your life for my sake? You guys, look at your Bibles real quick. Your life right there is also another Holy Spirit stress factor. He's saying, will you really lay down your life? He said, Pete, most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. Now, listen, your attention, please. Before we give Peter a hard time, okay, because we know Pete's going to go out and he's going to deny the Lord. We know that. I love, I love that Peter believes right now that he is going to be faithful and he's going to be loyal and that he would actually lay down his life for Jesus. Pete believes that. Pete believes that, right? The problem with Pete right now is that he's doing it in the flesh. He hadn't really thought, he hadn't really thought this through. He's going to do it. He's, he's doing it in the flesh. He wants to serve, which is a great heart. He wants to serve and love Jesus. He's doing it in the flesh. We do a lot of that like that in the flesh, right? We want to serve with good intentions, but sometimes it doesn't always come out right, does it? We want to serve with good intentions. Yes, Lord, I want to do this. And the Lord's like, hold on, take a step back, right? It reminded me of a story. It reminded me of a little story that kind of meshes with Pete just a little bit. It's about a little girl and a mom. The mom hasn't been feeling good for a couple of weeks, hadn't been really, really feeling good. The six-year-old mom is just going up to, going to her mom and said, Mommy, what can I do? What can I do to serve you, mom? It makes me sad that you're sick. What can I do, mom? And the mom says, oh, sweetie, nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine, really. I'm okay. You just go play. No, mom, I really want to serve you. What can I do? And so she says, nothing. So the little girl would run into her room, and she'd come back with all these pillows, and she'd prop up mom pillow. Ah, oh, thank you, sweetie, but you don't have to do this. It's okay. Just go play. Mommy's going to be fine. But mommy, I just want to serve you. Mom, I want to serve. What can I do? What can I do to serve you? No, sweetie, I'm fine. So the little girl disappears for a little bit, right? And about 20 minutes later, she comes back with a hot cup of tea. And the mom's kind of like amazed. And she's like, what do you have there? She goes, I've got tea for you, mom. I want you to feel better. Well, sweetie, I didn't know you made tea. Well, mother, I've been watching you. I've been watching you do it for years. I know how to make tea and I really want you to feel better. Well, sweetie, how did you do it? She goes, well, mom, here's what I did. I first got the pan out, and I put water in it, and I turned, up, I turned on the heat. Oh, very good. Yes, that's what mommy does. 
And she's taking a sip. Mm, this is good tea. What else did you do? Well, then I took tea leaves and I put them in the, in the pot. And then I just waited till it got hot and it boiled. Very good. Were you careful? I was real careful. And she drinks the tea and she goes, then I see, mom, that you used to use a strainer. And you strain the leaves out and you put it in a cup. She goes, very good, sweetheart. Oh, mommy just is so proud of you. And she goes, but only one thing, mom. I couldn't find the strainer. Well, what did you use, sweetie? Oh, I used the fly swatter. <laughs> the mom's like, <laughs> what? She goes, mom, don't worry. I didn't use the new fly swatter. I used the old one. Isn't that Pete? Isn't that Pete, right? You want it? He, his, his heart has good intentions. His heart wants to, wants to, I'll die for you, Jesus. I will. Pete, hold on, bro. Hold on. Hold on, Pete. Hold on. See, Pete wants to lay down his life for Jesus, but he needs the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, guys. Let me give you another mark. Check your heart, right? Your heart is really simple. A true mark of loving Jesus is there'll be faithfulness and loyalty. Faithfulness and loyalty. You see, it was one of the conversations that I had this week with my friend. When I dropped my mother-in-law in Santa Fe, I went with one of my longtime childhood friends who, who was actually instrumental in me coming to the Lord, and we were sitting there, and we were talking about the church, and, and he's a worship leader in Santa Fe, and, and we were just talking about Jesus, and then he asked the question, like, what do you think? about the church and where we're going as a world and all this stuff. And, you know, and, and one of the things that I told him, and I said, Abe, listen, I think here's what we need to do. I said, I said, we need to finish well. Everybody else starts at the same place, but not a lot of people finish well. And this road and this journey, they, they get off track and they start thinking that there's other things and they don't finish well. Pete's going to finish well, but he has to do it under the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, he is going to go out and he's going to deny the Lord three times. But that's not the end of the story, right? He's going to be filled. And, and listen, before we close, guys, before we close, a, a true mark of loving Jesus is that we're going to strive for faithfulness. God, I'm going, to, I'm going to be faithful to you till the end. Let's chat a little bit about the third mark, right? I got to be honest with you. My heart right now wants, wants the same heart that Peter has. Peter was willing to lay down his life for the Lord. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't, and my heart wants that heart. Lord, I want to I lay down my life for you. To completely sender, surrender all that I am for all that he is. That was my heart. You see, a true mark of the love of Jesus is that we will strive to become faithful and loyal to the God who loves us. And, and here's a true saying for all of us. You go, why would, why would you want that, Ben? Well, here's a true saying. Because Jesus told Peter, but you will follow me afterward. These, that's the same message to us. We're going to follow the Lord. Right? One day, guys, we're going to take what? We will take this journey that Pete took. We're going to go from this life to the next. What brings me so much comfort is the Lord said to Peter, and he says to us, but you will follow me. And you go, what did I look up that word? It means to come behind, to go behind. It's like the Lord is guiding the path, and he says, you'll come. Don't worry. You'll come. And that's why I want to finish well. That's why I want to finish with faithfulness and loyalty towards the Lord. Guys, as we close our study, 
we're kind of closing it on kind of a downer. Why? Because our boy Pete, man, he's flying high. Lord, I will die for you, right? These five words, I swear to you. One person got it good. And now, and now Jesus drops a truth bomb on, on Pete, doesn't he? He says, Pete, listen, listen, bro. Um, most assuredly, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow, Pete, until you've denied me three times. And what Jesus is saying is, Peter, I love you, bud. But in reality, you've got some growing to do. And you're going to deny me three times even before the rooster crows. He says, but Pete, hang in there because you see soon and very soon I'm going to restore you three times. And you will be filled with my Holy Spirit not many days hence. And Pete, you will finish well. Pete, listen, your life is going to be marked by your love for me, so much so that when they go to kill you, and they'll go crucify you. You say, no, I love my Jesus too much. I don't want to be crucified the same way he is. Could you crucify me upside down? Peter got the second mark because he's going to love Jesus so much it's, it's, that he's going to love people, that he spent his life telling people about Jesus. A true mark of a disciple. One of his first sermons, 5,000 people got saved. And then Peter finished well. Guys, here's my point. Here's the point of the message and the point of our text. People will know. People will know that we belong to Jesus and that we're not just we're not just fans of Jesus, but we're devoted followers of Christ if we have love one for another. If we lift up another each other in prayer, if we walk with each other through the valleys. If we learn to cry with each other, we learn to die with each other, and we learn to lift and we learn to pray, that's how people are going to go, man, that's my disciple. Do you notice that it doesn't say people will know you're my disciple by the church you attend? It says by the love you have one for another. How can we impact Lubbock, guys? By loving them back to life. How can we impact our family? By loving them back to life. That's what, that's what John is trying to tell us. That's what Jesus says. The new commandment I give you, go out and love one another. Amen? Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, that we can come and we can just dive into your word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the people here, God, and I never want to leave I never want to leave a service without an invitation for people to follow you. And so I pray your Holy Spirit would move and work right now. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today and God brought you here and he brought you here for a reason and throughout the message you were feeling like, man, pastor, you you were saying some stuff and some lights were going on, but I got to be honest with you, Ben. I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. Well, you may feel like you're a million miles away from God, but you're one decision away from coming back to him. He's standing here with his arms wide open and he's offering you an invitation. You go, what do I have to do? 
Well, all you have to do in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you feel like God tugging on your heart and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, all you have to do is lift up your hand and we'll pray for you. And if this is a first-time decision, you've never given your life to the Lord, and this is a first-time decision, we've got a Bible for you. We want to help you on your walk. We want to love you because you are special. But the decision is yours. It's no one else's. And if you can ask yourself this question that we learned from our text, you said, am, am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to follow him? Or am I, am I not going to follow him? Then that's the difference between a believing heart and an unbelieving heart. You go, well, how do I get a believing heart? In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's between you and the Lord. So if you're here this morning and you're ready for a real walk with Jesus, surrender your life once and for all to him. Become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Would you just lift up your hand right now so I can pray for you? Between you and the Lord, no one else. No one else. Again, it's just you and the Lord. And, and again, all you have to do, no one will see you. Everybody's eyes are closed. Their heads are bowed. They're praying. If you're not in a right relationship with my Jesus, but you want to be, all you have to do is lift up your hand and we'll pray with you and we'll pray for you. Right now, say, Pastor, pray for me. As I look across this, this sanctuary, is there anyone here? Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit still moves, still saves. And I thank you for this group, Lord. We love you. We worship you. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.